No man or woman of the humblest sort can really be strong, pure, and good without the world being the better for it, without somebody being helped and comforted by the very existence of this goodness. Dr. Philip Brooks. It is the year 1868. You enter a church and take a seat. A large, 300-pound man, six feet and four inches tall, is standing in the pulpit. He speaks with kindness and intelligence, and there is something extremely peaceful in the way that he speaks. After the preacher sits back down, a choir stands to sing a song. It's the debut of a song that would be sung every year after that. The preacher was a man named Philip Brooks. And the song? Well, let's start at the very beginning. Welcome back to Church History. I'm your host, Laura Lee Siemens. And I've recorded a brand new episode, and I'm so excited to share it with you. Before we get started, don't forget to check out my website, lauraleesiemens.com. And on my website, you'll find out where you can purchase my book and other mugs with great quotes from the Church Fathers. All right, let's get started with today's episode. The year was 1835. It was quite a year. The United States debt was at zero, and this would be the only year in American history that they could boast about that. Countries were starting to abolish slavery, and the abolitionist movement was growing. Hans Christian Andersen published his masterpiece, Fairy Tales Told for Children. The Great Fire of New York destroyed 530 buildings, including the New York Stock Exchange. Sally Hemings, the slave and concubine of Thomas Jefferson, passed away. It was a time of change, and into this world was born a little boy. He would grow up to be a man you probably never heard of, and yet his work is something that has most likely been part of your life. The little boy was named Philip. He had five brothers, and his parents, William and Mary Ann, were from Boston, Massachusetts. Both his mother and father were very well respected and admired. Philip went on to attend Harvard University. At that time, Harvard was a Christian university with a passion to train men to preach the gospel. In 1859, just two years before the start of the Civil War, Philip was ordained and took the pulpit of the Advent in Philadelphia. He started his preaching career during a time when the country was torn apart. When the Civil War ended, Philip knew that the country needed peace. And he didn't know how to preach to a country that was so broken. He decided to go to a place that had once been torn apart by war, living under the rule of another country. And then peace had been born right there. He went to Bethlehem. It was Christmas of 1865. And there in Jerusalem, Philip found the reminder he needed of how to preach peace. It was Christmas morning, and two men are riding horses and entering the city of Jerusalem. Philip is one of those men, and he's suddenly filled with a peace he simply could not explain. When Philip arrived back to the place he was staying, he wrote these words in his journal. A good-looking town, better built than any others we have seen in Palestine. Before dark, we rode out of town, to the field, where they say the shepherds saw the star. It is a fenced piece of ground with a cave in it. All the holy places are caves here in which, strangely enough, 
they put the shepherds. The story is absurd, but somewhere in those fields we rode through, the shepherds must have been. As we passed, the shepherds were still keeping watch over their flocks, or leading them home to fold. After the war, Philip went back and took a church in Boston. It was during this time of trying to accomplish reconciliation that seemed impossible that Philip began to preach. He became known for his intelligent and honorable sermons. He preached the peace that God had given him on this trip. It was years of reconciliation and trying to learn to love each other once again. But peace slowly became a reality in the country. Three years after his trip to Bethlehem, he was visited by a man from his church named Louis Redner. Louis was the organist and Sunday school teacher. It was Christmas, and what does an organist and Sunday school teacher want at Christmas? They want a song for the Christmas service. Now, Louis could write beautiful music, but he needed some of those beautiful words Philip was famous for having in his sermon. Philip sat down to write. He wanted his congregation to feel what he felt on that Christmas morning horse ride three years ago. So he wrote these words. O little town of Bethlehem, how still we see thee lie. Above thy deep and dreamless sleep, the silent stars go by. On Christmas of 1868, the song O little town of Bethlehem was sung for the first time, and it has been sung every year since. Philip preached in that pulpit for 22 years. He never became famous, but his song did. The hymn is beautiful and sweet and gave the world peace. When you listen to it, you can feel the peace of a slow horse ride through the fields with shepherds in Bethlehem on Christmas morning. On January the 23rd, 1893, at the age of 58, Philip suddenly came down with an illness and he died in a matter of just a few weeks. It was devastating to his church. He was a man who had a goal to preach the good news of Jesus Christ and help bring peace to a country that was broken. He spread the love of Jesus. And today, most people don't know the name Philip Brooks, but we do know his message. And really, that should be the theme of our lives. John the Baptist said, I must decrease and he must increase. This should be our life goal. Not that our name is known, but that the name of Jesus Christ is known. I want to end this podcast with the song, O Little Town of Bethlehem. This song is sung by a man named Nathan Drake from Reawaken Hymns. And I want to give a huge shout out to this man and his ministry. When the churches here in Ontario closed down, our family felt a little lost. We personally felt we should be meeting with other believers. As the 15 days turned into a month and then many months, we began to pray about hosting a Bible study in our home. And when churches were opened but only allowed to have a small percentage of people, and those people had to stay spread far apart, we decided to open our home for a Bible study. And that's when my husband discovered this ministry. The music is so easy to sing along with and perfect for worshiping together without a church worship team. We still continue to host a Bible study in our home and we still love this man's music. I'm so very thankful for Nathan's work and his willingness to share his talents. If you're looking for incredible music, please check out his website and support him. And I'll have links for that in the show notes. 
I hope you have a very Merry Christmas. Stay tuned because tomorrow we're going to have another episode with O Holy Night. Tidings tell